and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is the founding member and lead singer of the band Blessed Union of Souls, Elliot Sloan. Now Blessed, best remembered for, I believe, Hey Leonardo, I Wanna Be There. They had smash hits back in the 90s. Elliot talks about just getting involved with music, forming with the band. And he's very candid about the music business in general, and things might have been even bigger for the band had one of their songs gotten to a certain movie back in the late 90s. It went with, let's say, a more mainstream name, so to speak. Things would have changed. Personally, they went with this song that we'll talk about and play during the interview over the song they went with, which we'll find out in the interview as well, I think would have been better for the movie, which is not a great movie to begin with. Well, with Elliot, we talk MASH, we talk baseball, really nice guy. Hope you enjoy my conversation with him. So, Elliot, thank you uh, so much for joining me. Um, so, I, I know the band's got its name from a MASH episode, so I got a couple questions for you. Um, are you a Honeycutt or a Trapper John guy? Oh, Trapper John. Okay. I like I like Honeycutt after a Perfect. while. It took me a long time, and I think a lot of people don't warm up to him. But uh, Trapper, Hawkeye and Trapper, that was the tandem. Yeah. And I think I, I remember absolutely. reading... I think I remember reading later that Trapper was like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have left the show so early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But B, exactly. but B. Day was good, though. Mike Farrell, he's really yeah. good. He, yeah, he's, no, he's taking really nothing good. away from him. And he yeah. has some really, really solid episodes. Right. Solid, solid storylines that he was involved with. And I think it helped that there was a, 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 a an opposite like personality trait of him being a married faithful man, you know, and Hawkeye kind of being like, you know, hard, yeah. hard to tie down. Yeah. Exactly. I think it yeah. worked out. Absolutely. So of course, you know, their foils were Frank Burns and Charles. Oh yeah. Frank so, <laughs> so which one there? Frank Burns, man. Oh yeah. I like, yeah. I always like Frank. He always, <laughs> he's got the worst of it, man. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't catch a break with those two. <laughs> And then, of course, walk into a room. He walked into a room and they go, Hi, Frank. Yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then, uh, Henry Blake or Sherman Potter? Oh, man. I loved Henry Blake. I loved them both. I ended up loving them both. I, lo- I miss Henry. Was that not the saddest episode oh, when he died? God. I mean, it, goodness it so gracious. I just nowhere. sat there in front of the television, man. Like, after it went off, man, and Radar walked in there. Oh my yeah. goodness! You know they, you know they did that. and They didn't tell him. They didn't tell the actors. Yeah, they no, were yeah. They, I think they just told Gary Berghoff. You know what I mean? And right to get their uh, honest reactions. Yeah, it, it was tremendous. <laughs> yeah, but that was yeah. that was moving. Anyway, yeah, I could go all day on Mash. You might not want to ask any more questions about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what about after Mash? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what about who? After match. <laughs> After, oh my goodness, man. Well, I, did, I, don't, I don't think I watched any of that, and I think it lasted, I don't even know if it lasted a full season. Yeah, I don't think so, too. Yeah, but I no. get it, though, man. I mean, Hawkeye's making all the money, and, you know, a lot of the regulars. Loretta Swit was on every episode, and, yeah. you know, Klinger, Father Mulcahy, and Sherman Potter. Um, yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, it's give tough, it a shot. Yeah. See what happens, yeah. you know. Exactly, and see if it sticks. But yeah, it definitely didn't. So. <laughs> yeah. 
right. Yeah. So uh, music now. Um, so growing up, like, who are some of like your influences? Well, my main influences were um, Queen, Led Zeppelin, and Prince. Nice. And El- Queen, Led. Here it is. My top five. It's it's like it's like if you like the NBA and you're starting my starting five. Five, right, right. <laughs> Queen, Prince, Led Zeppelin, Stevie Wonder, and Elton John. Nice. And they and so many other artists delved from that. I really like the Cars. I even right. got into Black Sabbath a little bit, but <laughs> those five, like I mean, Queen, Queen and Prince, Freddie Mercury, Prince, Elton, uh, a lot of Elton John, a lot of my piano piano stuff is like. You know, based around Elton John and Prince, stuff like that. And Stevie right. Wonder was just amazing, playing chords that I can't even still hear today. And I can't read music, so I can't play any of it. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, and Led Zeppelin, I was, I was, man, I was a big Led Zeppelin fan for a long time. Houses of the Holy was like my favorite album for like right. five years. Rolling Stones, the Some Girls album, that was like my favorite album for like three years. Right. I mean, I think I listened to Shattered like every day for a year. I don't know if it was something about that song. I couldn't yeah. get it. You know, you're like you're 13, 14 years old, and you're like, you, you know, as you get older, like people get older, we, we overanalyze things. Right. I didn't analyze. All I knew was like, I had to you play it, it again. <laughs> yeah. I just had to play it again. I had to play it again. I had to play it again and play it again. You know what I mean? And Right. And then, yeah, and then back then it wasn't like you could just start the song again, like, you know, on Spotify or something like that. You had to put the needle at the right point of the record and something like that or the tape, you know. Yeah, yeah. You just you listen to it because you like it. I, yeah. And I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't mind doing this podcast, but that's another reason I, I never really liked interviews too much because I don't like breaking down stuff too much because if I break it down too much – it's just you tend to overthink, and I don't want to overthink music. I just want to make music ahead. because it right. feels good. Why? Right. Well, why did you use that chord? I don't know. <laughs> you <laughs> you tell me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't like overanalyzing art, and right. you know, uh, not to get on a tan- tangent, but it's like <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes the music that I listen to that's out today, and there's a lot of good music. Don't get me wrong, but it yeah. just sounds so like it was done in a factory. Agreed. Yeah, it sounds like it was done in a factory. Okay, we need this part. We need we need this little, little intro. Then we need the verse. Then the second verse. Then the, then the cor- then a little bridge or or pre-chorus. Then the chorus. Then a little music after the pre-chorus. Then then this. Then the, there's always the breakdown verse. Like like <laughs> right. <laughs> and I mean everybody. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's an under, I, I and I've done it in songs as well. But it just seems like like. It seems like somebody's making a cake as opposed to making a song. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And then if, oh, you look man. At, yeah, if you look at like the liner notes for songs now, it's like 9 million people contribute to one song. You know, or, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. You look writing. at the songwriters. Yeah. It's, you know it's, what I mean? It's like, you know, 12 writers. You know what right. I mean? And it's not, I was just like, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then a lot of times, like a lot of artists, they don't write any of it at all, but they just they they insist and contractually you have to put their name on it so they can get paid. Yeah, definitely. It's just it's just ridiculous. Now if you look back at like Fleetwood Mac or Queen, you look right. at the songwriters. It's like, oh, this is a Christine McVie song. Oh, this is Lindsey Buckingham. Oh, this yeah. is Mick Fleetwood. Oh, this is Stevie Nicks song. You know what I mean? You know, Freddie right. and Queen. Freddie Mercury wrote "We Are the Champions," but Brian May wrote "We Will Rock You." 
Yeah. You know what I mean? John Deacon wrote, You Are My Best Friend. Roger Taylor wrote, I'm in love with my car and Flash. I mean, you know, they weren't sitting around going, we got to put our names on it so we can all get paid. I mean, what a bunch of crap, man. It just causes dissension, man. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think with Queen, I think they all shared the songwriting royalties equally, if I remember. After 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 a point, they did. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you look at some of the early albums, it was all if you look at some of the early albums, there were there were individual names on there, right? But maybe after that they were just like, okay, we we've all got ten twenty million dollars in the bank, or Freddie's got twenty million and John Deacon's yeah. got five million. So right. <laughs> it's like, come on, Freddie, <laughs> right? Exactly. A- Annie up. <laughs> yeah. So like with songwriting with you, you, like how old are you when you first wrote your song? Like your first song? Well, probably twelve. Like you know what I mean? And I used to bring my friends over and. Just let them listen to it. I play it on the piano and sing it. Yeah, I think one of the first songs I wrote was a song called "That's What Matters" in a song. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? And uh, I wrote a song about this girl that I had a crush on for like three or four years called "Only." Her name was Yvette, so it was called "Only Vet," but it was really like "Only You." You know what I mean? But uh, I didn't know I was writing songs. I thought writing songs meant you had to get the music and then write the notes. Yeah. I remember I got I, I got a bunch of music paper, and I tried to write a song that I wrote. I mean, it, it took me like three months because I, I don't read and write music, even though I took piano lessons and I know what the notes are, but I can't sight <laughs> right. read. Um, so, but I didn't know that was considered songwriting that you were just making up a song. I just I'm making up a song. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. Right, so after like you like wrote the song, did you decide to like I'm gonna play this with a piano or I'm gonna add a guitar? Like, how, how did you decide to add like the music to it? Well, at the first, all I had was a piano, so that's okay. I didn't have a choice. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I still got the same piano that my mother got got us when I was nine. I oh, still great. got it. That's the that's the piano I wrote. I believe on. I should auction right. it off and and give the money to charity. I really yeah. should one of these days. Either that or I'm gonna leave it with my son. But right. anyway. Um, every uh, every song was written on piano because that's what I had. Okay. And then as I got older and I got a job and I started making a little money, I started buying guitars. I couldn't even play guitar. I bought a guitar. <laughs> I bought a drum machine. Uh, I didn't even know drum machines existed, man. I was like, <laughs> I remember I went to the music store one day because drums was the biggest biggest uh, hurdle as far as like some type of percussion. I was like, what is this? Oh, that's a drum machine. That's a drum machine. And I, it was a dramatics, that little silver box called the dramatics. A lot of rappers use that. Right. Man, I bought that, and I was just, this is it. I was in heaven. I was like, I got a beats now, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. usually I had to use the drums that was like within one of my keyboards, and they were all really bad, you know, really, you know, yeah. no fidelity at all. But that was what was out then. But, uh, yeah, I, and most of the songs were just written on piano, and then later on I started, you know, I learned guitar enough to learn how to just at least put guitar on it and give an idea of how it's supposed to sound. Right. So, like, you're 12 years old, you write your you know, first song. Like, how old are you when you, like, actually performed? Uh, the first band, I, the first time I really performed on, well, okay. Actually, actually, when I was, let me see. Actually, I was 11 years old in the sixth grade, and word got out around the school that I played piano. And we had a, a big assembly um, in our in our in our elementary school, 
and somebody asked me, a teacher or a principal asked me to play uh, a song before this assembly. And I was like, I remember asking, I was like, well, who's going to be there? <laughs> well, everybody's going to be there. Yeah. All the students and everything, like, oh, my goodness. So I played, I played Lean on Me by Bill Withers, which right. was one of the first songs I've ever learned. And um, luckily, the way the piano was set up, my back was to the audience, so I didn't have to look at them. So I just sang it like I did it at home all those all those years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I didn't have to practice. I was just like, I mean, I played this every day anyway. Man, and I played it, man, and like, man, it was like a you know, ninety second standing ovation. And you know, you know, the little girls at that time they were like, oh, he's so cute. I didn't know he could sing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like it was yeah. like it was like that video of Grace and Chance singing in front of uh, his school right, when right, he right. sang paparazzi, which I thought was amazing. Anyway. But uh, that was the first time. The next, I didn't play again in front of anybody, in as far as like an audience, until I was like nineteen. Uh, the first band I was in. Uh, well, there was a band. There was this, this girl wanted me. She was a drummer, and we had a mutual friend, a bass player, and she was putting together a show for her job. And you know, again, in the music world, you know, word just gets out. You just know people, and people right. just, oh, yeah, man, he got a bunch of keyboards. He can play. He can sing. So I played that gig, but from that gig, uh, I, I started in this other R&B band called The Movies, and the first real gig I played in, it was in front of about 2,000 people down in Huntington, West Virginia at a event called River Rock because it was on the Ohio River, and... That's when I decided, like, okay, yeah, this is it. I, I quit everything. I was actually working at the Cincinnati Waterworks at the time where I was making some pretty good money. Right. And I got a leave of absence from my supervisor to go do this one show. He's like, yeah, yo, that's, you go do that. You know, go live your dream, and we'll see you Monday. Man, I came back Monday. I set my hard hat on the desk. I said, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't believe it. He right. couldn't believe it. I mean, I had a really secure city job, man. I could have been retired by now. But it was just like, I just knew. You know what I mean? Again, you just know. You don't have to think about it. You don't, you know, you got to just go with your gut and your heart. And, you know, I was always really passionate about music. And I had no idea how I was going to get in the music business or whatever. But after I did that gig with that band, and the band was really good and really serious, I was like, this is... This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. If I, if I pass this up and go back to work at the Waterworks, I mean, you and I wouldn't be talking right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, but um, so they were, that band you played with, did some of those members like join you in Blessed? We tried to get my bass player, too, the guy that actually got me in the band. Right. He was actually in, like, the first set of promo pictures, Okay. But uh, he decided not to, and we ended up having to get another bass player. So, no, I'm the only guy from that band. But the guys in that band, they all ended up doing stuff. Okay. Uh, my keyboard player, my drummer, ended up putting together a production team for a little bit that had a couple records on the radio in the 80s. Uh, my drummer, the thing about it, this band had two phenomenal drummers. The, the first band I was in, two, I, and I didn't know how good they were. I mean, right. I, I really stepped in some crap right there. Two <laughs> phenomenal drummers, and one of them ended up playing with Belby DeVoe, Sheila oh, wow. E, uh, Bobby Brown, okay. a lot of other acts. I mean, and he's put out uh, a few solo Christian records. 
the other drummer, the other awesome drummer, ended up getting like a top five hit with another artist. I mean, everybody did something. You right. know what I mean? That's yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome. So then, uh, yeah, so how did the, the band take shape then? Well, bless it. Yes. Well, again, it goes back to my bass player, Donald. Donald introduced me to this guy named Jeff, who was in another band, a cover band called Slam. And I ended up joining that band. And, you know, during the midst of our touring, I mean, I'm making $250 a week, man. I'm rich. You know right. what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. I'm playing in a band and making 250 bucks a week. We didn't make that with the movies, like, ever, <laughs> even though as good as we were. Right. But uh, I was like, steady income. Oh, man. Uh, but he and I, uh, he approached me and was like, hey, man, you know, Donald says you write songs. I was like, yeah. He said, well, he's got a little studio. I had a little studio. When we got back to Cincinnati, we just kind of, like, kept writing songs together. And uh, Jeff and I were the original members of Blessed Union of Souls. That's great. So then um, I guess you find your other members and you start uh, putting together Home, right? Yeah, and ironically enough, the lead singer in the movies, who was one of the awesome drummers, Eddie, he ended up being the drummer for Blessed Union of Souls. I was like, Eddie. I was like, I already know a drummer. You know what I mean? And he was yeah. living out in California at the time. And uh, but but he couldn't move back yet, you know. Until we got things, until things got ready to go, like we had recorded the album and everything. Right. And then once we had got our record deal and you know uh, started rehearsing, the record came out. We started rehearsing for a tour. We were like, okay, Eddie, it's time to come back. And he came <laughs> back. Yeah. It's time to come back. And then um, we got this guy named Charlie Rolfe, uh, our keyboard player, who was actually a keyboard programmer for my manager. He was always in the studio anyway, and he kind of worked his stuff into the band, but he was indispensable because he played keyboards, he played drums, he played bass, he played most of the instruments on our songs because he was just so good at everything. He he was just, yeah. he was always record quality, you know what I mean? Right, he, right. He's one of those guys that, that can master any instrument that he has to learn how to play. And, and he ended up being our keyboard player. Then we started auditioning bass players uh, because we didn't have a bass player. Because Charlie, as, as good as Charlie was on bass, he was better than the bass player that we got. But we needed Charlie on keyboards, and we just need somebody to hold down the bass uh, during when we play live. It's funny, man. We started. Uh, I don't know, man. The, the mentality of some musicians when we were auditioning bass players, you think about three or four guys you know, at different times, and we'd give them a tape. This is cassette tapes, by the way. Right, yeah. <laughs> we'd, give them a, we'd give them a tape of the songs that they needed to learn. It was like, come back in a few days, and then let's jam with the band. Man, I tell you, the first two guys came back, and they were like, well, you know, I didn't really listen to it. I just thought we'd kind of jam together. It's like, dude, we got tour dates. We don't, yeah. this, we're not jamming. Did right. you learn the song or not? Well, I really didn't learn the song. We were like, next. next. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care, we didn't care how good they were. You know what I mean? Right. And the, thir the third guy, Tony, uh, he had listened to the songs. He learned every note. We played like four or five songs. We all looked at each other and was like, I think this is our guy. And uh, he was he was a perfect fit for what we needed. Yeah, so that's, that's great. Uh, the, yeah, the, the album came out, and I guess uh, your hometown, uh, Cincinnati, started playing, I believe, right? Yeah, Q102 in Cincinnati. Uh, started playing the record. Uh, the record was finished in like the summer of '93, but 
it didn't come out until 95. The record company was kind of making up their mind if they were going to put this album out or not. So we, my manager basically just made up CDs and started sending it to record to radio stations. Mm-hmm. And um, Q102 here in Cincinnati, Jimmy Steele, our, the program director, and Brian Douglas, the music director, Q102, WKRQ in Cincinnati, started playing the song. And they didn't play it because, you know, we were hometown heroes or something like that. They just thought it was a hit song. They right. were like, they were like, your record company is stupid. They need to put this <laughs> song out. So they yeah. just started playing the record, and then they got other stations to start playing the record, and we basically forced the record company's hand to release the record. I mean, and then the album came out. And the song was, was number one. It was, it was nuts. I mean, I just didn't know that's how it worked. I thought, I thought the record company was like, would be like, yeah, you got a great song. Let's put it out. But we had to, you know, pull teeth to get them to pull the record out. Right. The record out was crazy. Walk blindly to the light and reach out for his hand. Don't ask any questions and don't try to understand. Open up your mind and then open up your heart. Black man. 
Now, did that kind of like strain the relationship between you guys and your record company? Well, after two and a half years, we didn't really care. Right. You know what I mean? It's like we're forcing the record company to, you know, to to have a platinum album. <laughs> it's like yeah. I think they'll get yeah. over it once yeah. the checks start rolling. Right, in. of course. And it did. I mean, but we had to do what we had to do, you know. I mean, they're a record company. We're a band. I mean, we had our career to think about. So, but things got good, you know. What I mean, they're, you know, look, uh, your worst enemy will like you if you're making them fifteen million dollars. You know what I mean? Hey, no, how you doing? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know. Sorry, I burglarized your house, or you know, what I mean, I'm not. <laughs> but you know, you're making me fifteen million dollars, so you know, everything's cool. Whatever. Yeah, right. And you know, the album was fantastic. You know, besides, I believe, let me be the one. You know, or Virginia. Um, now, did you guys go out thinking you had, like, one particular sound on that album? Because, like, the subsequent albums, you know, your sound changed a little bit. So was there ever, like, a point where this is what I what we want to do, it's just the sound of home? I think all that shaped in the studio because we didn't know what the band was going to sound. We didn't have, like, hey, this is how we want the band to sound and started writing songs to accommodate that. We right. just started writing songs, and and that made it that made the decision itself. You know what I mean? Once we started putting like drum loops behind the acoustic guitars and laying the vocals and stacking the vocals or whatever, that ended up just being the sound as we were making it all along. We weren't a band that started like out on the road. You know what I mean? We started in the studio. We started at radio, and uh, the sound kind of made itself. And see, that's what I like. I like, I like the, just do the music that's in your heart and let that make the decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure it happens all the time that you know, hey, we should write a song that's up tempo. We should write a song that's slow or whatever. We should right. whatever. You know, you kind of do that, but hopefully, you know, it's done within the realm of what the artist is capable of doing and pulling off. Because at the end of the day, you know, I got to sell it. You yeah. know what I mean? And I have been in a position where, you know, songs have been brought to us. It's like, sing this song, try this song. And it's like, that's kind of not what we we do or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've turned down some stuff. But, you know, when when money gets involved, the waters get really muddy. Right. And the perspective gets lost. And, you know, your your whole your whole perspective of things gets gets blurred. And you know that's why I try to tell a lot of artists, every artist I talk to, you got to write what's in you. And you know if you're just trying to be successful and make money, then fine, go that direction and do whatever you want to do. But you know if you want to be an artist with some longevity, you know people want to hear you. They want to hear what's coming out of you. And whatever, everybody's different with that. So I'm not right. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just saying what works for me. Right, and even like you know, not not to make you feel old, but like when you were just starting out, you know, the band was twenty five years old. Um, the company, the record company, changed. So you're talking to you know artists now who want to start. They're not making as much money as you guys did back then. Right, right. I mean, and luckily we did write our own songs, and we didn't. You know, look, everybody, everybody was all. You know, knowledgeable knowledgeable about you know residual income. You right. know what I mean, or whatever. You know, and songs, 
play it on the radio, you get paid that way. A good thing we did because, I mean, as an artist, yeah, you don't really make a whole lot of money off of record sales unless you're yeah. Bruce Springsteen, Michael Jackson, Coldplay, or U2, or Taylor Swift. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, you actually see money from, you know, record sales. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different animal now. Um, and you got to figure out different ways to make money. You know, and especially now that the record companies are tied into your live performances as well. You know, for the most part, if you sign a record deal, you're signing a 360 deal, and they're getting a piece of everything. Right. Because, you know, record sales aren't what they were. You yeah. Know, so, I, and on one hand, I understand that. Hopefully, that's something I'll never have to do because I can't imagine, you know, paying the record company anything of what I do live. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Again, it's a different animal. I, on the business sense, I understand because they're in it to keep the lights on and to pay their employees. But you know, right. it's yeah. It, it, so they have to. They it's just like airlines, you know, charging for luggage. Right. Exactly. You know. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you got to be kidding. When they first started that, you're charging for luggage. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. And that's just how desperate we are as human beings for money. Of course, uh, you know we've yeah. screwed things up so much that we're charging for the luggage. Yeah, I'm just waiting for charging for the bathroom or charging for the seatbelt. Oh, sure. Yeah. You, know, you want to use the restroom? Oh, yeah. Five sure. bucks. You yeah. got to put the money right in. You got to put your credit card in to get the door to open. Pretty right. soon, cars. You buy a car and you got to charge. They're going to charge you for the steering wheel. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Of course. You know what I mean? It's just like it's it's a hole that we have. We as a society, and I don't mean just the society of the United States, the society of the world, world. Yeah. it's a hole that we've dug ourselves in and just being greedy. Yeah, I always say, man, human beings are the best and the absolute worst species there there is on the planet. The yeah. absolute worst. The absolute worst. Yeah, we yeah. kill each other for money every single day. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, it's, it's and it's amazing because every day you see stories that will break your heart, and then some that'll you know make you cry in a good way. So it's like every day something like that. So it's like the balance of both, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Humans, I mean, we can create beautiful art and beautiful music, and and you know, stealth technology. So when I believe blew up, and I'm sure you guys did all like those like late night talk shows and everything like that. Uh, what were some of your favorites? Um, let me see. Probably when we did we did Regis and Kathy Lee like five times. I mean, they right. were so 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 supportive of us, yeah. man. I mean, they let us come on there like the first four or five singles, man, and it was uh wow. I I'll never forget that and always be grateful for Regis <laughs> Regis and Kathy yeah. Lee, man. Right. And uh you know, they had a huge audience. And it was mainly female, and which was our audience. Again, something that we weren't trying to do. We weren't like, no, let's write songs that you know attract females. I mean, we just did what we did, right? You know, you know, because uh, that's just what came out, and that's what came natural to us. Um, but you know, a lot of guys like our like our music as well. But they were they were super supportive. Uh, we did uh, late night with Conan I, Conan O'Brien. Um, which was really cool. I didn't realize how tall he was. He oh, walked yeah, over. He was. I was like, "Oh my goodness, this guy's like six six. Huge, huge hands too. 
huge. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I met him in my previous job, and yeah, he, he's a big dude, definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's funny. I'd love to do Kimmel's cool. Uh, he, right. He's funny. He's really good. He's he's pretty innovative. I'd love to get on his show at some time, at some point. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Now, um, they, they always say you have like your whole life to write your first album, and like like six months to do the second one. So, was there ever like pressure from the record company to, you know, obviously make another I Believe for your second album? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you know, okay, we just made fifteen whatever million dollars. Right. We want to make that again. Yeah. So yeah, the second album was like, yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. You know what I mean? And and you as an artist, yeah, I'd love to write. I believe every album. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. You as an artist, you want to do it as well. So I mean, the pressure comes from yourself and from the label and from management. You know, as far as like, you know, wanting to do something as successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And. Um, uh, you know that this, but that's one of those things, man. You know when, when you put a time limit on art, you know what I mean. Then you're, yeah, it's hard. You're you're putting that's, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it can be done and it has been done. Right. But when you put a time limit on art on music like that, it it puts a lot of strain that you feel like, you know, doors that you could walk through before, you can't walk through those doors because that would take too long. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, it's honestly, it's like it's like taking something out of the oven too soon and serving it to your family. It's like, right. you know, it's almost as good as the first one. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, it would have been if you would have been more patient. But we don't have time to be patient. You know, we need to make the yeah. money now. Of course. You know, the audience is ready now. And so... In that, I mean, we were writing songs while we were on the road touring for the first album because we didn't wait till we get back and go, okay, you know, we have absolutely zero ideas, so let's start from right. scratch. I mean, we had some ideas, and you can't help but have ideas because if you're a songwriter, you're just constantly writing songs anyway. Right. And there's a lot of songs that was left over from the first album that at least pointed you in the direction of some ideas that yeah. you had that, you know, you weren't, you know, unprepared. You know? Right. So... Um, the second album, we we did a lot of experimenting. We did a lot of, you know, the the single that came out the first second album. You know, I want to be there. That was one of the later songs written. But okay. it's like, you know, it's like I equated to. Do you ever see Shawshank Redemption? Of course, yeah. Of course. So I equated to that, like when uh, Tim Robbins he had to crawl through, you know, five football fields of muck and crap yeah, right. to get to the other side. You know what I mean? It's like it's the same thing. We wrote a, and not that we wrote crap, but we wrote a, we were just really experimental and did a lot of stuff like It's Your Day and Humble Star and yeah. When She Comes, Where We Were Before, Peace and Love. All that stuff was written before I Want to Be There and Light Your Eyes, which ended up being the single. I can't remember the last time that we kissed goodbye. It's only now too plain to see Will 
Sometimes the distance is more than two people can You gotta be able to do that. You gotta be able to at least feel like you have the freedom to, to do that. Instead of the record company calling you every twenty minutes going, Did you write the hit yet? You got a yeah. hit yet? You got a hit yet? You got a hit yet? It's like I don't know if it's a hit, it might be. Might be you yeah. know what I mean? And then that word becomes obscured and, and, and tainted. You know, a hit, what is a hit? You know what I mean? It, it, you know, it, a hit is relative. Depending on who you ask, you know what I mean? Right. You asked us, and we thought some of the other songs were hits. But, you know, it's not a hit until the people that are spending the money, money. declare it a hit. Right. <laughs> exactly. The, yeah. The rest of the company, the bands, they can't, you know, determine whether it is. It's all about the fans and the, and the sales. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they will decide, like, yes, I'm, I'm drawn to this or I'm drawn to that. And a lot right. of our... Bigger songs were songs that weren't the ones on the radio. You know, we get requests yeah. all the time for songs that never made the radio, and we play them. You know, I mean, that's the freedom of of you know being in a live band. You know, yeah, you do you you know you do what you want, but you balance that with what people want to hear. You know, we have no problem playing Hey Leonardo, and I believe and yeah, and I want to be there and let me be the one. We love playing those songs, but we love playing a lot of the other stuff that the true fans that have really taken in your music. We love playing those, you know, Nora, that was never uh, a radio hit, but we request for that all the time.
I went to see my grandma today. Learn the difference between living and alive. Walls are wall roaches in two by four infested rooms. Lying there in vain, praying for the Lord to take another run. I hope it won't be too long for you know All these years you've been so strong. No I hope you don't mind if I call you. Standing at the edge of the earth, yeah. which we tried to get on radio, but it did, I don't know, man. That that one just didn't take off. But a lot of people love to hear that live. And yeah, yeah. which is a shame. Yeah, yeah. That song is fantastic, and uh, I, I guess it was it was in the running to be on the Armageddon soundtrack, which would made a lot more sense than what they chose for uh, with Aerosmith. But yeah, I think that song could have been your biggest hit. It could have been. It could have been. But you know, again, it's. You know, politics, you know, yeah. Blessing in Your Souls, or Aerosmith, of course, with a yeah. Diane Warren written song. I mean, yeah. it's it had nothing really to do with, like, let's ask the fans what they want. Right. No, let's, yeah. let's, you know, Diane Warren writes multiple hits, and Aerosmith is Aerosmith. So yeah. we 
can, we can, sure. will probably make more money off of that. <laughs> that's of the bottom yeah. line, man. Of course. That's yeah. the bottom line. Like I said, once money becomes part of the equation, then we're living on a whole different planet. I knew that this moment would come in time That I'd have to let go and watch you fly I know you're coming back, so why am I dying inside? Are you searching for words that you can't find? Trying to hide your emotions, eyes don't there's no easy way to say goodbye I'll be standing at the edge of the earth Hoping that someday you'll come back again I'll be standing at the edge of the earth Hoping for someday, someday Don't misunderstand I'm trying to 
planet. Right. And maybe if they replaced, you know, that song with yours, the movie would have been a little better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe so. I think it, I thought it fit perfectly, you know what yeah. I mean? And But everybody knows what happened, you know. Uh, of course. We're, yeah. we're, which, which, which one is going to make us more money? Or yeah. which one do we think is going to make us more money? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, that's, it's, that's what they went with. Right, of course. Of course, the safe bet, absolutely. <laughs> now, uh, back to I, I believe for a second, you guys had two versions uh, of it, one with uh, the word brother and one with the N-word. Um, was that uh, the record company's idea? Was that kind of backlash radio station? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, they wanted to make sure that it was going to get played on on every single radio station, which, right. you know, I mean, I, I understand. Yeah. But, you know, I, re- I, I hate that I did it. You know what I mean? Right. I because I, I always felt like we could just mute the word. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, though, when I'm playing at, at fairs and festivals and there's a bunch of kids there, I don't really like saying that word. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I right. either say it in off mic or something, or say brother yeah. or whatever. You know, right. I, I that I I don't want the first time well i mean it was on the radio but you know playing yeah. live you have some control over it you right know, just don't want to say that in front of 10 year olds you know right no yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, totally. mommy what's a nigger right what yeah would you hear that you know yeah, exactly. you so <laughs> yeah. said it at the concert that we went to i mean right whatever yeah. and I I actually it. yeah i should correct myself because there's three versions uh, the fantastic one on your singles one, the punk version of I Believe, which I absolutely love, oh. with, with the word rascal. I, I mean, you yeah, could have released, released that version, and that would have been a hit, too.
under like a mystery artist and like who who, who covered I believe you know it could have been like a yeah, mystery yeah. you know yeah. yeah then um walking off the buzz I think is is my favorite album by you guys you know we've already talked about sitting at the edge of uh but um hey Leonardo you know great song uh now uh, it's much different than I believe how long did it take people to actually realize that it was you guys singing that song she don't care about my car she don't care about my money And that's real good Cause I don't got a lot to spend But if I did It wouldn't mean nothing She likes me for me Not because I look like Tyson Beckford With the charm of Robert Redford Losing out my ears DVDs. Things like that just never mattered much to her. Plus, she don't watch too much TV. And she don't care that I can fly her to places she ain't never been. If she really wants to go, I think deep down she knows that all she has to say is when. For me, not because I hang with Leonardo or that guy who played in Fargo. I think his name is Steve. She's the one for me, and I just can't live without her. My arms belong around her, and I'm so glad I found her once again. And I'm so glad I found her once again. Yeah, I'm so glad. She likes me for me, not because I sing like Pavarotti or because I'm such a hottie. I like her for her, not because. 
that she's fat like Cindy Crawford. She has got so much to offer. Why does she waste all her time with me? There must be something there that I don't see. I don't see. She likes me for me. Oh, man, it took a while. Record right. companies, radio stations, they were like, okay, this is cool, but who who's singing? They were like, what do you mean who's singing? It's Elliot. Yeah. And they were like, well, who wrote it? Elliot, Elliot and the band wrote it. You know yeah. what I mean? They just, and, and I, that was a, that was cool because, you know, I, I wanted us to do something. I'm glad that we end up doing something that people, that was still good, that, you know, people could see the diversity of the band. Right. That we could do stuff like that and it still be good. You know what I mean? That we weren't just pigeonholed into doing love songs with piano right. and strings. Yeah. Um, you know, it makes for a really good show, and um, it just I, a lot of people were really surprised that you know that we wrote the song and that it was me singing. It it took a while, but uh, you know, it stuck with people though. You know, you, I'm sitting there screaming, "She likes me for me." And yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people got that. You know what I mean? They understood. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a totally fun song. Was that kind of an easy song to write? Oh, uh, yeah, it was because I mean, uh, I wrote it about this girl I was seeing in in uh, South Dakota, right? And you know, I went to visit her during working on the, the third album, um, and she was just cool like that. She had, she didn't care, even though I met her at a concert. Right. The previous year, she she, you know, she was really just into me. You know what I mean? And and that's where that that song came from. You know, actually, I wrote a couple of songs about her, but that was the biggest one. But uh, yeah, it was just it was a true story, and 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 we just kind of had fun with it. You know, throwing all the pop culture references in there, and uh, you know, ended up sticking with people. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's definitely like I said before, it's a fun song. Did you hear any feedback from the people you mentioned in the song? Uh, uh, we actually got a note from Cindy Crawford. Oh, we got man. a note from her and said, "Thanks for calling me fat." You know what I mean? Which, right. You know, ironically enough, she was pregnant at the time, okay. but she knew it was phat. Right. You know, what yeah. I mean? pretty hot Clintons. She always had it going on, and she still does. She was yeah. in that Taylor Swift video. Did you remember that? No, I don't think I saw that one. Oh, dude, you got to watch, uh, what was that song? Uh, 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 um, are you, no, not Are You Ready For It. Um, the one where she had all those musical stars. Ellie Golding was in it. Um, oh, come on. She was, uh, I, I can't think of the name of it. It was off the um, 1989 album. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Come on, come on. It's coming to me. Um Oh yeah, um, Bad Blood. What's that song? Bad Blood. Bad Blood. 
Go watch that video, man. You got that's actually a cool video. And Cindy Crawford is in that. You know her, uh, Mariska. Oh, what's her last name? The woman from uh, Law and Order. Law and Order, yeah. Uh, Hard to say. Yes, yes, she's in it. Um, uh, Oh, Ellen Pompeo's in it. Okay. From Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Right. You should watch that video. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Yeah, I'll take it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't really follow like Taylor Swift too much, but I'll uh, yeah, I'll definitely take a look at that one. Yeah, I did right up until this very last single, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, she she she's she's got some cool stuff. I like Endgame and and um, the few of a lot of her country stuff. But anyway, that's a right. different subject. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I, the one thing I admire about her is that she just writes her own stuff, which is great. Now you know. Cause yeah, yeah, she's artists. been writing for yeah. a long time, man. You know. And you know, again, yeah, she she she's a good lyricist. She's right. a very good lyricist. Yeah. So then after um walking off the buzz, you guys released like kind of a greatest hits album, which we talked about the I believe version on there, but that was kind of like a weird decision. I'm sure that was a record company's decision for you guys to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was like, okay, we got to get some more money, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm telling you, when money makes your decisions, it's very short-lived. Yeah. You know, when you're making your decisions, you know, strictly for the money, right. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. I just, I, I don't like that, and especially right. when it comes to art, but, you know, whatever. That's the world we live in, you know? Right, of course. It's like, what does the money say we can do? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's yeah. ask the money first if we right. can do it. You know what I mean? And, you know, whichever makes us the most money, that's the decision we're going to make. Forget about art, integrity, right. character, yeah. you know, things that will help the world or whatever. Just we're very short-sighted. Money, money. Man. Yeah. Did, did, uh, yeah. Did the right company ever ask you guys, hey, we're going to do uh, – I'll give you a choice, you know, a new album or a greatest hit. Did did they ask us? Uh, no, yeah. we didn't even pick the album cover. Yeah, it's just kind of a weird cover for you guys. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even pick that album cover. I have no idea who those people are or why they picked it. Right, yeah. It definitely doesn't it, make any sense, yeah. It makes no sense. No, no. <laughs> None at all. Right, and I don't even think the full name of the band is on the album cover, right? It just says Blessed Union. Yeah, right. I have no idea. Right, that's yeah. not an album. I've, I don't think I've ever listened to that album. Okay, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah now you guys it. kind of yeah went into like a different uh, genre now, uh, contemporary Christian uh, with the mission field. Now I'm going to be completely honest with you. I like I'm Jewish. I didn't really listen to the whole. Uh, you know, genre there, but I do like a couple of songs off off the album. I really like, mm-hmm. yeah, I really like the only song. That, that was the only like, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really like, I like that, and, and I still believe in love. Ten years have passed, and we're right where we were. Some things are better, but so much is worse. I wonder sometimes if we're under a curse. What was once laughter is now turned to tears And it seems now we're all just living 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's what I like that one. And I like the title track, The Mission Field. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Some um, of the other songs were, right. you know, they were okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, uh, 
you know, and that's the thing about it. Look, everybody would love to put out an album where every single song is of is grand and gorgeous yeah. and beautiful. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, I can't say that about any artist that I've ever listened to. I mean, there's songs from Led Zeppelin I was growing up into that I skipped right over. You know, you yeah. just go to the ones that move you. Right. So that's the thing about about singles too, man. I mean, you, you it's like you know, okay, go up to bat, and I want you to hit a grand slam. Every time. <laughs> every time. Yeah. Hit a grand slam every time. And I don't want it to just get over the fence. I want it to get it into the second deck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, goodness gracious. Whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's probably why now it's basically, you know, this, this stream, the streaming era where you can just make your own playlist, shuffle songs, skip over songs, you know, so so easily. And the whole, like, front to back of an album now that kind of whole lost art is gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and another thing though, I mean, you also ran into albums where there was one good song and the rest was crap. You know what of I mean? course, and yeah. I spent a lot of money on that. Yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of people are like, what is this? You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, you want to hear more of at least some version or you know genre of the right. song that is the single. Yeah. And plus, singles are cheaper. We're back to the money. Singles are cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> singles are cheaper. Yeah. You know, you can record a, a single, you know, for a fraction of a fraction that you do a whole album. Right. And you know, yeah. you know, it's. Uh, I get it though, man. Money, money is scarce because yeah. we've wasted so much of it, and we've swindled people out of it of so much of it. You know, and I just say I say we because we're all humans. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I'm not pointing the finger and saying everybody else is bad and I'm good. I'm just saying we as humans, you know, it's just all about. It's really all about money, and yeah. you know, like the, like the one rapper said, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. <laughs> yeah. I love it's, that. That's great. It's such a great line. Yeah, it is. Line. That is a great yeah. line. Yeah, and yeah. that's pretty much what it is. But you know, as a society, as human beings. I, I think we're we're just we're dumbing ourselves down. We're we're not exploring uh, different avenues that could lead to something greater, and you know, not just in art, but in, in all in all facets of business. You know, but you know, if you look, you can still find really really good things. You know, what I mean, it's there. Yeah, you just have to dig deeper to to find it. You know. As opposed to the the, the multi-billion corporate dollar corporations, you know, you know, forcing down your throat what you're going to listen to. But my wife is really good at that. She finds artists all the time. I don't know where she finds them that are just yeah. really good songs. You know, what I mean, that you'll never hear on the radio. And sometimes you do. You know, what I mean, after about a year or two. But uh, she's really, really good at finding artists. Like, oh, check this artist out, check this artist out. I was like, oh, man, this is really good. But you never hear it on the radio or no, very rarely, yeah. you know, not yeah. on mainstream anyway. But Right, exactly. On mainstream, you just hear the same four people over and over again. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you guys, you're big uh, Cincinnati Red baseball fans, I guess, because you released that album when Great America Ballpark opened up, right? Yeah, man. I've always, I love baseball. Always have. Yeah. Always been a big Reds fan. Right. So that even, that album was kind of like easy to come up with. Some of the songs were already written. Right. And, um, you know, I had written that song, Me, Marty, Joe, Ted, and Louise. I wrote that years before, um, 
we even talked about doing a baseball CD. And right. That was just, you know, just something that came to me that I wanted to do. You know what I mean? And I didn't know it ever come out, but you know, right. the people who have heard it mainly just around here really like it. Yeah, and like that came out. Like that, that team has some good players. I mean, my I'm a Yankee fan now, so uh, my manager was on that team, Aaron Boone. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like. Wait, I mean, your manager. Yeah, yeah. He's the Yankee manager now. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah! Oh, oh, that's right! That's right! He is a yeah. Yankees man. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, they let him back in after that 2003 home run. It's like, heck yeah, come on in! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and if he didn't get hurt the next year, they wouldn't have gotten Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that things how things work out. Because uh, I was yeah. just reading about that. Because Alex Rodriguez was going to go to Boston, but MLB right. didn't approve of Alex Rodriguez. People people give him a hard time. And and yeah, maybe he deserves a little bit, but he was yeah. trying to go to Boston, but Major League Baseball they stuffed that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and he they, was going to take you know, like, less money. You know, it was like right, so it, right. Know, the the one time where it's not about you know the greed and the money. The, you know, the league's like, nope, player association, nope, can't do it. And then you know, Man. Went to the if he would have went to Boston, oh my goodness gracious! I mean, they had, yeah. then they won. Ironically enough. That very year, they won the World Series without him. How about that? Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't get don't get me started about that. I I used to work at ESPN and I had to cover that World Series. I was there and I was just like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> oh, it was a nightmare because the Yankees yeah. were up three games to none. They had just yeah. won yeah. a game previously, nineteen to eight. Right. Yeah. And then and then Boston started that comeback and they right. were just they could have yeah. beat anybody. That right. they were like, sure. yeah. That pulled them together. Yeah, yeah they they could have you could have put together an all decade team and Boston would have beat them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they, they, they after they beat them, then they swept St. Louis like yeah. you know they were a double A team. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, they always had St. Louis's number. They played them a couple World Series after. They always had their number. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Boston, yeah. they won in '03. Then I think they won again in '07. Then thirteen, yeah. and then last year. Last year, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And the Yankees, man, they could get there, but goodness gracious, I was just looking on the website, man. Giancarlo's been hurt. Didi Gregorius just got back. Aaron yeah. Judge hurt. I mean, it's just yeah. like in the injury bug, man. You, you, yeah. you can't. It don't matter how good you are, man. If your best players are sitting on the bench, you you, you just can't yeah. get it together. And actually, it's been it's been good for them because uh, you know they're they're in first place now and all these injuries. So hopefully, when right, they right, back, it, it right, yeah, uh, you know, and they'll be there, and they'll be fresh. Yeah. Aaron, if Aaron, you know, even if Aaron Judge and Giancarlo ends up coming back the last seventy-five to one hundred and twenty games, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and going into the playoffs with that, I mean, that kind of you know what I mean, you know that helps that helps a bond. It's like look. We're the Yankees, dude. Let you know, Giancarlo's down. We need you to step up. Like, okay, you know what I mean. Aaron is down. We need you to step up. Right. And poor Jacoby Ellsbury. I mean, that guy hasn't <laughs> been on a baseball field in three yeah. years, man. Right. But the Yankees still got to pay him. I mean, what a yeah. gig. Right. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's definitely not poor though. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. He ain't yeah. poor. And yeah. I liked him, man. I mean, I I always liked him. Yeah, he was I thought him and Dustin Pedroia when they first came up, oh, yeah. they were like, "What a tandem!" But when yeah. the Yankees got Jacoby, I was like, "Yeah, right. all right, it's on." <laughs> I, yeah, I know. And then the Yankees got Kevin Euclid for one year, and he just broke down. It was just like a disaster. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, it's, it's fun talking about that. Totally. What a great rivalry, though, man. That's yeah. definitely the the greatest sports rivalry uh, that there is. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. But Elliot, this this was great. Thank you for a few minutes today. Hey, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. When it comes to music and sports, I can talk all day, but. And a special thanks to Elliot for joining me today. Go check out the band's website, blessedunionofsouls.net. They're on Twitter at Blessed Band. Search Blessed Union of Souls on Facebook. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the first in all one nine. Be sure to like the page of Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes, not a problem. Show's on SoundCloud, it's on Podbean. Go to livingmyyouth.theredlist.com for all your merchandise, t-shirts, hats, onesies. A new episode will come out next Wednesday. We'll see you then.